The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. This is the Money Answer Show, and Jordan Goodman is your host. And my guest this hour is Ethan Ewing, who is the president of Bills.com. Welcome to the show, Ethan. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jordan. Nice to uh, nice to be with you. Uh, let's just start with a little bit of your background and how you got to where you are and, and the forming of Bills.com and, and what Bills.com does for people. Sure, yes. Yeah. So, so Bills.com was started in 2006. Uh, the website relaunched. And basically, it is a resource to help people save money. So we basically publish free content, free tips, free advice, try to help people make better money-related decisions. So really... Um, answer people's questions about their money issues, and then really try to guide them into into better money uh, money money saving decisions. So I got kind of got my start um, in the mortgage business, and this is back uh, in uh, in the early 1990s, um, and have been in the mortgage business off and on for uh, just shy of 20 years. Uh, started out as a loan officer, um, worked my way up into some management stuff, um, and really have kind of moved over in the last 10 years. Um, I've moved into the online world, uh, and this has been a great marriage for me since 2006 of kind of combining um, what I've learned uh, uh, on the consumer-facing side uh, with technology and the ability to kind of put useful content in front of people. What is different about Bills.com from other similar kinds of websites? So we, we really focus on personalization of answers um, and of tips. I mean, you, there's obviously, as, as we all know, there's a lot of there's a lot of content out there, so you can go online and, and search Google or Yahoo or MSN and, and find a, a whole bunch of content. What we really try to do is break down people's specific situations. So kind of our, 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 uh, our key tool right now is called Ask Bill, and it's basically a feature where users go to the site, they submit their question, and they don't really have to submit any personal information. We ask for an email address so we can correspond. They tell us they're very specific question and their situation, within 48 hours, one of our uh, personal finance experts or even our editor will get back to them with a private response. We usually publish that response on the website, make it available for other users. So kind of personalization is a big deal because, you know, it's it, like, like we'll do on the show today, we'll, we'll talk about uh, general topics, certainly those are helpful, but ultimately uh, everybody's looking for answers on their specific situation. And what is your business model? How do you make money from this? So uh, we make money off of lead generation. So what we, what we do ultimately when people come to us with a specific need is we give them some advice. We try to kind of guide them in the right direction. Um, and then ultimately we'll provide what we refer to internally as a solution. Um, and usually that solution, uh, if it's applicable, and in a lot of cases it's not applicable, but if there's a solution uh, applicable to a user's situation, um, uh, that will end up being a referral to a mortgage lender or mortgage bank. Uh, to a credit counselor at that settlement firm, to a credit card issuer, somebody, um, a point product then that can help, uh, help that user's specific need. So how, why is, uh, let's put it this way, why are we referring to one 
uh, over another, and how is the consumer knowing they're getting the best deal when you refer them to one of those particular providers? Yeah, so uh, you know, it's a, that's a good question. We, what we do is basically look at uh, we have what we call filters. So we look at people's situations and then match them with what our provider's uh, uh, sweet spot is. So our provider says, "Hey, we want people that look like this." We run uh, when consumers come to us looking for a solution. We'll check their basically check their criteria, make sure they match up with those specific providers, um, and then make that marriage. So it's not always perfect, and in a lot of cases what we'll do is we'll give people three options um, and ultimately give them the tools, hey, you've got to negotiate with service providers. I mean, everybody um, in the financial services industry, you know, shoot, they're, they're, they're in the business um, to make money as well. So we try to arm them with uh, negotiating techniques um, and really kind of the ways to get the best deal out of those providers. But the providers that we put in front of them, we feel, based on our expertise, are usually in the best position to help them. Okay, good. Before we get into some of the specifics about different ways people are spending their money on credit cards and budgeting and mortgages and so on, just give me an overall view of how you think uh, American consumers are doing today with their personal finances. I, and the, the numbers are that they're paying off credit card debt. Consumer credit outstanding has been falling pretty sharply. They're increasing savings. So are, are things getting dramatically better than they were, say, two years ago or so or not? Well, uh, yeah, for my opinion, on, on a macro level, for sure. I mean, what, what we've seen over the last uh, year and a half, two years, particularly with the economy, uh, struggling the way it, it has been, it's just that people have started to take savings seriously again, you know, and, and really started to look at their spending. And, um, you know, you see it in the popular media. You see it on TV shows. They reference, um, you know, hey, we used to spend like crazy, but now we're really focusing on it because of what the economy's doing and there are people less fortunate. Um, so all that, I think, is really kind of combined uh, to make it, to make savings kind of cool again. Um, and I think that helps. I mean, you see people paying down credit card debt. Well, the reason they're paying down that credit card debt, is, as you well know, is just it's high-rate high debt. Um, so they're cutting that and, uh, and kind of getting rid of, of useless expenses like that. So overall, certainly, uh, um, uh, we're, I think we're peaking at, a, at an age of increased financial responsibility um, and we'll see if it lasts. I mean, we'll see if, if the economy bounces back and uh, certainly people um, start feeling a little bit better about their financial situation. Uh, will they revert to kind of the, uh, the spending ways? But uh, um, certainly the signs over the last year and a half, two years have been good. And you, and you know what the, the, the personal savings rate is up at around 4% now, um, which is certainly an improvement over the last, uh, over a couple of years ago when it was down at 1%. So and that's how about a real positive. The, um, the, the whole personal financial literacy of the country, our schools, uh, doing enough to teach kids about money, and do you get a sense that financial literacy is getting better or worse in the country? Uh, you know, uh, certainly, my, my sense is we're not that close to the to the uh, to the younger adults, but is it? Um, hopefully, it's getting better. Certainly, a lot needs to be done. I mean, we, you know, we see um, it, in our ask bills feature, we see a number of different situations. One of the big situations we see most commonly is people coming in and saying, "Hey, I've got." $5,000 of credit card debt that I incurred while I was in college, or $10,000 when I incurred while I was in college. You know, what, when they got that card, they really weren't aware of what they were doing to their financial future and how they were kind of um, handcuffing themselves. I mean, they, they, they were focusing on immediate short-term needs, um, and they didn't kind of take into account the long-term impact of, uh, of being debt-free and having a good credit score. Um, and that's really hurt them, and that's got them off to a bad start. So 
I don't. I can't answer whether whether it is improving or not. It needs to improve. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, certainly that's an area getting getting to young adults is certainly a a, a a good target. Our site, frankly, is more focused on um, uh, folks in the middle age, and we are starting to move a little bit more towards younger folks. But we generally are dealing more with people that have significant um, responsibilities already, so have a mortgage, um, have significant debt, um, have older student loans, that type of stuff. Now let's talk about the credit card bill, uh, this new bill which went into effect in February. Um, what has been the impact in the last two months or so since it's been out um, on how credit card companies are interacting with consumers? Well, the, the, the big things, and um, you know, you hit the nail on the head, this bill was all about, or this this law sorry, is all about uh, communication between the issuers and the cardholders. And and back when it was when it was originally uh, proposed back in uh, in or originally passed back in May of 2009, the idea behind it was that uh, hey look, credit card issuers are making a ton of money, and they're not doing enough to tell cardholders and card users uh, what type of terms they're subject to when they when they use a credit card or when they make a minimum payment. Um, so uh, the president and Congress kind of got together ultimately, and it was really a, a Congress, um, uh, it, it, it came from Congress, and they were, um, they'd been hearing from their constituents, you know, basically these credit card companies are giving us a bad time not being forthright. Um, so it was all about being more transparent with communication. Um, and what it's done, it's interesting, um, uh, I haven't seen the most recent um, uh, uh, statistics on on minimum payments um, but what it's really done it, in where the rubber meets the road is in your statement right now if you've got a credit card balance it will give you your monthly payment but rather than just saying hey here's your month your minimum monthly payment make this payment it is clear and conspicuous in that it says okay here's your minimum monthly payment if you make this payment only it will take you X number of years to pay off this debt and here's the total cost of that debt and that's, you know, having, putting that in front of people, telling people, me on the radio or on my website, telling people to, to, to make their minimum, to make more than their minimum monthly payment is one thing. But seeing it on your statement from your issuer uh, with the actual cost is a, um, yeah, it's a pretty dramatic change. So uh, um, certainly the expectation is, is that uh, uh, people are going to begin to pay down their, uh, their balances. You think it's having an impact? Quickly. Actually seeing that you think is having some impact in people making more than their minimum payments then? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've talked to absolutely, absolutely. When we, when, when we talk to people about this act, people go, "Oh, wow, they're going to do that." Oh, it'll be in front of my face every month. That'll definitely have an impact. So um, we'll see in the numbers, but certainly the uh, um, it seems uh, anecdotally from what we've uh, what we've seen that uh, that it's having an impact. It, that's one thing. Also, in the disclosure front, are there some other things that banks have been disclosing more clearly since the new law went into effect, as opposed to before? That are helping consumers. Yeah, the um, you know the, the, uh, they've really got a lot of it was also centered around when uh, consumers make a payment um, and then late fees. I mean, the the, the late fee business uh, is a huge, huge, huge business for um, for issuers, or, or at least has been historically a huge business for issuers. Um, so what they're now required to do is is they have to give people at least 21 days from the time the statement's mailed. Um, I'm sorry, 40. Uh, 45 days from the time the statement's mailed to the time they actually have to make their payment. Their due date uh, has to be fixed every month. So one, uh, one practice that many uh, cardholders would complain about before was, 
hey, you'd get your statement every month, and, and the due date would change, the time would change, there'd be an arbitrary time, hey, you've got to have your payment in by 6 p.m. on Thursday. Um, and now issuers are required to maintain one fixed due date every month uh, and not change that at all. Um, and, you know, again, I mean, it, it, the onus is still on us as cardholders to make your payments on time, to spend responsibly, um, but they've kind of they've they've kind of turned the tables a little bit here and tried to try to even things up so that uh, so that we're not at a as a cardholder you're not at a at a huge disadvantage um, and the credit card companies and holding all the cards. Okay, we're gonna get into this in more detail. Uh, my guest this hour is Ethan Ewing, who's the president of Bills.com, a website that can help you cut your bills and save money all kinds of different ways. We're gonna discuss more about the credit card law. Uh, mortgages, budgeting, all kinds of things in the personal financial uh, field. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa provides homeowners and investors eager to invest well in real estate the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus will be the paradigm. Live where you want. Invest where it makes the most sense. Listen live to the brightest minds in real estate investment every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa, where America learns to invest. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is your host, Jordan Goodman. My guest this hour is Ethan Ewing, who's the president of Bills.com. 
Welcome back to the show, Ethan. Hey, thanks, Jordan. Before we get back to the Credit Card Act, maybe just tell people briefly, when they go to Bills.com, what are they going to be seeing there? So, really, you'll, you'll be presented on the, uh, on the homepage. Um, we're really starting to funnel people down into the Ask Bill feature, which I mentioned earlier, um, where you can either ask a question, a, a personalized question of Bill's, or, or of, of Bill, um, or you can go and read other users' um, uh, questions and answers. And, and uh, we're going through a site redesign here in the next few months, and that'll be great. We'll, uh, we'll do a lot of promotion around the new website uh, when it does come out. But uh, really right now what, what our goal for you is to find out um, uh, some helpful advice, a helpful answer for your specific situation. And we've got about 3,500, 4,000 pages of unique content, unique questions and answers, uh, unique articles. Um, so hopefully within all that, you'll find something that, uh, that fits your, your situation. Terrific. Is this using artificial, artificial intelligence to figure out the right answer for what people's questions are? So, yeah, we, we, um, uh, it's, um, it's, uh, it's somewhat artificial. We've, uh, we've got some, a pretty interesting algorithm, uh, not quite as complex as the, uh, as the ones used by the big search engines, um, but we've got a pretty complex algorithm going into our, uh, into our search effort on our new site. Right now it's still relatively simple. But really what we try to do is, is if you come in and you say, hey, I want to ask a question about mortgage refinancing, and I am uh, currently 30 days late, and I live in California, um, we're going to basically match all that information up with our archives of content, and we're going to try to spit you out the best, the most personalized response. And really, hey, you know, if you can't find it, I mean, if you, if you see the results aren't great, we always give you the option to ask a question, and, and uh, um, we're pretty committed to, to 48-hour turnaround on that. And uh, so there um, are those, live live operators behind that as well who can answer more personalized questions if they're not getting the answer they're looking for. Uh, there's no phone component right now, but uh, that's certainly something that works. But there's there's no phone component right now. But is there a live chat uh, where there's a person behind it as well? Nope. The the, uh, the the thinking behind that we we've um, we've contemplated it. It's uh, a live chat has become a little bit more of a force online. Um, our editors spend uh, a significant amount of time with these questions, researching, providing answers. If you go to the site, you'll see the answers are in-depth. It's, it's not a quick yes-no type of response. If somebody asks a two- or three-sentence question, um, they're going to get a pretty in-depth response um, from us. And, and like I said, most of the time we'll post it online. So it's not, uh, it's not really the type of uh, scenario that's well-suited for, for kind of quick chat sessions. Uh-huh. Good. Okay, let's get back to the Credit Card Act. Uh, we were talking about some of the disclosures uh, that the banks are making, how it's affecting consumer behavior. Uh, we talked about the where you can have the uh, minimum payment and how many years and how much interest that's going to cost you. What are some of the other disclosures that people should know about, and how is that changing consumers' behavior? Well, so, so um, a couple other things that's, uh, that's happening. By the way, I want to get back to just one point real quick. I mentioned fees um, and late fees and how big an industry that is for credit card issuers. Uh, that's a $15 billion a year industry um, for credit card issues prior to this act. So it'll be interesting to see uh, in, the, in the years moving forward um, whether that continues to remain as high. I know that issuers certainly were concerned that their late fee and penalty revenue was going to decrease dramatically um, with the increased disclosures. But uh, it's a pretty mind-blowing number, $15 billion, when you think about it. Um, so anyway... There really is, it's more disclosure. They're not limiting... What the fees can be, they just say you have to disclose it more in advance. Is that right? That's right. That's right. You just have to make you know, look. You just have to be fair. Is what is what the core of the act is, and it's and uh, you know as as with everything um, that uh, that 
Congress or our government touches, there's always going to be unintended consequences. It's just too big a country for there, for there not to be unintended consequences. Um, so one of the things before the act was actually put into effect, we saw a lot of credit card issuers actually decreasing uh, cardholders' limits so that um, they were really preparing for this, for this act because once the law is in effect, um, they had to provide increased disclosure, and in some cases they couldn't lower limits. So they would, while they had the, the window of opportunity, they were really shutting down accounts, decreasing limits, raising rates. Um, you know, and again, not in a, it was not in a malicious way. I mean, there was, these were underwriting decisions that the issuers make. Um, but, uh, but certainly now, if they're going to raise your interest rate, they have to provide you with 45 days advance notice. And that's a big one because, you know, a lot of times uh, in the past, if, if they, they can raise your rate and all of a sudden now you're paying a higher rate on the balance, your minimum payment comes in higher, um, what the 45 days does is it gives you an opportunity. And it's going to be clearly disclosed. So it comes in a separate statement. It's going to say, hey, this is what we're doing. It's not buried in fine print. Your rate is going from this to this plus X. Um, and so what it does, it gives us cardholders the opportunity to go and shop for a new card um, or shop for some other type of solution, or it's a wake-up call to, hey, I'm doing something wrong. This card issuer is sending me a signal that, that, uh, that I'm not the type of borrower they want, and they're going to raise rates on me. I better take a look at, at, uh, at my payment habits or whatever else I'm doing that, uh, that may be kind of producing a negative, uh, some negative effects. Now, while they're going to give you more notice that they're going to raise your rate 45 days or so, there are no limits on what interest rates they can charge, correct? That's right. That's right. I mean, it, it's, they, they can still charge, you know, there's, there's usury laws, obviously, by state, but they can still charge, um, they can still raise your rate significantly. It just makes it very clear to use the cardholder um, that, uh, uh, that that rate increase is happening, and it gives you the time to, to make a move. And, you know, I, I mean, this comes back to, to again, just uh, personal financial responsibility. Um, this law does not change... Uh, the need for each of us to be diligent about where our money's going each and every month, um, but it does give you a, it puts you in a little better position to understand what's happening. Um, for example, in the terms of your credit card debt, um, and to uh, and to be a little bit more proactive. So, well, I would say that the reason that the credit card companies are based in Delaware and South Dakota is they can charge whatever fees, what interest rates they want. So there may be usury ceilings in other states, but if you're based in those two states, they don't apply to you at all. And that's why they yep. can get away with such high rates and fees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so other things on the, in the Credit Card Act. So we're talking about notice more, maybe a little bit more, uh, you know, print about what's going to be happening. Yeah. But yeah, no so limitation on fees, no limitations on interest rates as long as they warn you. What are some of the other significant things in the Card Act and how are consumers uh, benefiting or being hurt by them? Yeah, so we talked about uh, this one a little bit earlier with, uh, you know, we, through our Ask Bills feature, we see a lot of, a lot of folks with uh, debt issues where they incur a lot of credit card debt in college. Um, they've restricted now um, the, uh, you can't market cards directly to uh, uh, people under the age of 21. Um, and if somebody under 21 wants to apply for a card, they need a co-signer who's over the age of 21, a responsible adult. Um, and they, they, there's, there's uh, um, a pretty interesting, it's, it's basically a, uh, um, uh, uh, they basically make sure that the issuers don't come on campus to market cards, so they have some type of boundary they've set up, and I'm not sure the exact, uh, uh, the exact distance, but uh, they're not allowed to market cards within a certain vicinity of college campuses. Um, and that's a big profit center, obviously, for, for cards to get people to, to use cards early. Um, so that, that should have a significant impact, certainly, on young Americans and young consumers. I mean, some and, uh, would say it's going to make it harder on them, though, because if you're responsible, 
uh, being in college and having a credit card is a good way to start building up your credit record. So that's going to be harder for people now to establish credit records. In yeah, that's 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 a that's a, a fantastic point. Um, and you know, one thing to keep in mind there. I mean, certainly when you're when you're trying to establish credit, um, there's alternative ways uh, to do that. If you're paying your um, if you're uh, uh, paying rent each month, make sure to keep those canceled rent checks. You know, that's something that um, if you're a if you're a young adult, you're 21, 22, 23, um, you don't have a mortgage yet, um, but you want to start to establish credit, make sure to hold on to your rent checks. When you do go to buy a house, um, that's one of the, uh, one of the um, uh, pieces of credit that a lender will look at. They'll say, well, you don't have a mortgage history. We don't see much from you, um, but bang, you can come and produce 24 months of canceled rent checks on time, um, and that's a pretty good indicator that you're a responsible uh, individual. Same with utilities as well. Um, that can be something you can use in lieu of, uh, in lieu of. But yeah, yeah, you make a good point. You make a good point. And um, uh, but I think the flip side is, is that, is that so many young Americans, so many college students are getting into trouble um, that uh, um, you know. Hopefully that will, hopefully it will prevent some of that. But again, unintended consequences. Say you get one of these notices that they're about to jack up your interest rates dramatically in 45 days, and you went to bills.com to find better credit cards. Are you going to have ones where they're you know, much lower, where there are usury ceilings? I mean, what, what kind of cards could people find there that they wouldn't be able to find on their own typically? Um, so, you know, I tell you, we, uh, credit cards, we certainly have the ability for people to search credit cards, find credit cards on our site. Um, we are not the, uh, uh, the best source to find credit cards um, just because it's, uh, we spend a lot more time talking about um, how people can better manage their debt, better budget, um, not to use credit cards unless they unless they need to. Um, you're going to see a, a nice, healthy uh, uh, selection of credit cards on the site, and you're going to give us things like your estimated uh, uh, credit rating, the state you live in. Um, but, uh, you know, when you're shopping for a, for a credit card, really the best thing to do is to, to make sure that the card that you get matches with your usage profile. So if you're a, if you're a revolver, um, meaning that you're maintaining a, a balance and about uh, uh, over 40% of Americans, 45% of Americans are revolvers, meaning they maintain a balance each month and pay interest on that. Um, then you want to go for a card with obviously the lowest interest rate and don't worry about rewards or uh, make sure you're not paying annual fees. Uh, if you're somebody who uh, uh, spends a lot on their card and pays it off monthly, then yeah, a rewards card is probably the way you want to go. Um, so there's plenty of tools out there to find a, to find a good card. Just make sure you're really honest with what you're using it for. Um, and, uh, and you know, are going to use it responsibly, obviously. Do you help people improve their credit reports and their credit scores and get errors off and that kind of thing as well? Yeah, uh, you know, we, we, we do. I mean, we, there's a, a, a ton of content around um, how to maintain good credit, how to improve your credit, um, how to, uh, um, to kind of get a better credit score. Uh, we don't do any credit repair or anything along those lines. There's certainly um, some companies that do those types of services. Um, we are really kind of helping people learn from other people. So, uh, we'll, go ahead. We'll, we'll get a number of folks coming in um, asking that question, and we'll, we'll really just follow up with them um, and uh, and give them a pretty good response, and other people can learn from that. Great. Okay, uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Ethan Ewing, who's the president of Bills.com. You can go to Bills.com and get all the answers we've been talking about here. Uh, we're going to talk more about mortgages, all kinds of other aspects of personal finance after this. We'll be back. 
market's up or down. Or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show with your coach, Rick Corrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Corrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Ethan Ewing, who's the president of Bills.com. Welcome back to the show, Ethan. Uh, thank you. Great to be here. We're going to talk about mortgages next. Now, we've had uh, quite a... Volatile mortgage market, I guess you might say. Everybody was getting mortgages before. Life was very easy. No doc loans and all those kind of things. And then uh, things came crashing down, and now it's a much tighter market. But interest rates are still at pretty reasonable levels. What are some mistakes and what are things people should be doing correctly in today's mortgage market? Yeah, I I mean, it's been just a fascinating few years. I've been, uh, as I mentioned at the top, I've been in the mortgage business for a long time. Um, uh, Well, you know, uh, long enough to see a few trends and um, this has been one that, you know, as you mentioned, back in the uh, early 2000s, all the way really up through 2007, uh, money was easy. Home finance money was easy to get. Uh, loans were available to just about everybody. Um, you didn't have to put a lot of money down. You didn't have to have a great credit score. You didn't even have to show that you had the income to pay off uh, to make the, 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 the monthly payments. Um, it really got crazy. It was A lot of it was um, uh, was really Wall Street driven. There was there were uh, products out there that were being put out there for brokers, lenders, banks to put in front of consumers, and all that was driven by demand of Wall Street. So it's, a, it's, a, it's maybe a topic for a, a whole long show, but um, it's really been an amazing few years. And what, what's, what's settled down 
here over um, really since uh, since November uh, 30th of, of 2008 when rates really dropped. Um, that rate drop has really, really, really helped the market to recover. Um, so there are a lot of Americans now that are eligible um, for refinancing where they can save a significant amount of money because rates remain at just historic lows. The 30-year and the 15-year are at their lowest points um, in their history, and uh, um, it's a really great opportunity. The challenge is, is there's a very small pool, not a small pool, um, it's, a, it's a smaller pool of eligible borrowers. So the credit score and credit guidelines are very tight. The income guidelines are very tight. The property valuation guidelines are tight, and that's, um, that's obviously a very significant area because of the decrease in home values across the country. Um, so lenders are being very tight with the types of borrowers that they will lend money to. Um, but if you meet these criteria, if you have good credit, you've made your payments on time, uh, if you have some equity in your home, and ideally uh, you want to have at least 5 to 10% equity, um, and if you have stable income, uh, and are you know able to meet your 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 monthly requirements, um, then you know you're eligible for a refinance. So if you've got an adjustable rate loan right now um, that's coming up, uh, uh, coming is is going to reset sometime soon, or if you're in a in a higher rate uh, fixed mortgage, it is uh, an absolutely critical time <laughs> to go and talk to a mortgage broker, uh, talk to a lender, talk to your existing uh, lender, and uh, and ask them about a refinance. When does it and when does it not make sense to refinance? How much higher? Does your existing mortgage rate have to be compared to what you could get, counting the fees uh, to make it uh, make sense to refinance? Yeah, the, the, the rule of thumb is, the, the, the kind of standard rule of thumb that everyone's always said is, if it's a point difference, um, go ahead and do it. Uh, it. To me, it's just a calculation of your payment. Um, most of us, uh, while ideally it would be great to focus on the true cost of a mortgage, most of us deal um, on a cash flow basis in our households when we make decisions. You're looking at what comes in every month, and what goes out every month. Um, so throw out that 1% rule for a minute. Get a quote, calculate your existing, write down your existing payment, then write down what your new payment's going to be with your quote, and see what that difference is. And if that's a difference that makes a significant impact to your monthly budget, um, then go ahead and do it. That's, that's really the recommendation we make. Now, you've got to be careful if you're, if you're if you're 10 years from paying off your loan, if you're within, you know, if it's a 30-year loan and you're in year 21, uh, you probably don't want to re-up to a 30-year and re-amortize all that, all that interest again. So you want to avoid those types of situations. Um, but you know, even even if you're in that situation, you can go ahead and get a 10-year term um, at a really low rate, uh, and you can still, uh, um, you know, you'll still kind of keep your interest pay down on, on about the same schedule. But for anybody that's, if you're, if you're five, even ten years into a mortgage, um, really look at that payment difference. If it ha- again, if it has an impact on your monthly budget, um, if it's enough money that's material and important to you, um, then go ahead and, and, uh, and do the refinance and lock the low rate in. Is it usually better to pay points and p- buy down the rate, or usually better not to? Yeah, again, I, that's another just uh, 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 totally personalized uh, situation there. But um, the, the, really the... the decision you have to make is based on how long you're going to be in the home. So if you're planning on being in the home less than, say, three years, um, then really you shouldn't pay the point because that point is coming out of your home's equity or really you can look at it as coming out of your pocket. So if it's a case where it's a $200,000 loan and you're going to pay one point 
to reduce your interest rate by a quarter point or a half a point, whatever it is, well, that's $2,000 that you're taking out of your pocket to pay for lower future payments. So if you're going to be there less than three years, you're probably not going to be in the house long enough to start seeing the savings from that lower payment. You, you won't earn back that $2,000 in time. If it's your final house or you plan on being there, you know, five, ten years, whatever it is, um, then, yeah, it's definitely worth uh, looking into the option of paying points and, uh, and bringing the rate down. And, what, you know, one thing for people, uh, uh, just a little trick, uh, when you talk to your uh, loan officer, your loan broker, um, make sure to ask them, have them run through, you know, five, six, or seven different interest rate and point options because um, with some of the programs these days, you're going to get, uh, with some of the crazy pricing that's happening, there are going to be these, these weird breakage points where you'll be paying the same points for a rate that's, uh, um, for, for one rate that's, that's at, say, 5%, another that's at 4 and 7 eighths. Um, it's just some of these weird pricing anomalies. So just make sure to, make sure to get a bunch of options when you, uh, uh, when you look at a refinance quote. Now, for somebody who does not fit this criteria, uh, whose equity is down, whose credit score isn't all that great, maybe they've had a late payment, uh, you know, they're not meeting all the criteria. You said that the banks are you know, having tighter criteria. Is there any hope for them? What can they do when they have a higher interest rate and they don't seem to be able to refinance? What, what can they do? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough time uh, to be in that situation. Um, so uh, really, the, the government's been making a lot of efforts around loan modification. Um, if you're struggling with your payments, the first thing you need to do is call your servicer. Um, more, than, more, more likely than not, you, you've already talked to them at some level, uh, but you need to approach them about getting some type of modification of your current payments. Um, the servicers these days are somewhat incented, slightly incented by the government um, to make these modifications and to temporarily or permanently reduce people's mortgage payments. Um, but with that said, they're not the most proactive about it. So um, the onus is on you as the person struggling to make your payments, as a person struggling to hold on to your house. The onus is on you to call your servicer, call them back again, call them back again until you get somebody on the phone that's going to sit down with you, review your situation. Um, a lot of the big services are starting to outsource this function so they have a little more capacity uh, to deal with these uh, with, the, with the number of homeowners that they have. Um, but, you know, modification is, can be achieved, but if you're a homeowner and you're struggling, you've got to work for it. And when you call, you know, it's not a, you know, the representatives, uh, well, they, they'll listen to a, 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 a story about your situation, it's really going to be fact-based, right? So it's going to be, what's your current income? What are your current monthly debt obligations? What's your available equity? What's your current rate? And then they'll talk to you about how they can, uh, how they can uh, get you a lower payment. But uh, it's a fact-based conversation. They're going to want to try to keep you um, in the house, making your mortgage payments, um, but it's all going to be within reason. So you can't call up and say, hey, I want to pay you know, $100 a month. I'm paying 2000 right now. Um, obviously, that's not going to be realistic. Now, President Obama has come up with some regulations, the uh, so-called HAMP program um, for mortgage modification. He's recently added more things to that. Is this having an impact in making it more likely that people are going to get mortgage modifications than they weren't in the past? Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly HAMP. I mean, the, the government uh, should be given uh, a couple of high fives. I mean, they've done a great job in putting the products out there. HAMP is, a, um, you know, HAMP is kind of the cornerstone of the, uh, of the modification effort. Um, 
getting it actually getting consumers eligible and then keeping them on their payments has proven to be an issue. Um, so where the uh, the administration and the big lenders continue to kind of uh, butt heads is um, okay. Well, this is a great program, uh, but then the lenders actually doing it and actually um, uh, actually modifying loans. The biggest issue right now um, is principal write downs. So what the banks do not want to do is again, if you have a two hundred thousand dollar mortgage, your home is worth one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You're struggling to make your payments. The banks do not want to reduce the balance, the outstanding principal balance on your loan. They don't want to say, "Okay, you owed us two hundred two hundred thousand. Now you owe us one hundred and fifty. We're just going to wipe that fifty thousand off." Um, while it would make sense, it makes it easier for people to make payments. Um, it makes it easier to give them an incentive to stay in their house. Uh, banks are loath to do that, and their their kind of um, position on it is, "Hey, look, you signed a note." It said you were going to repay this amount. We lent you this amount, um, and if we start cutting principal and reducing principal, that sets a terrible precedent for the future, and ultimately is going to start driving rates up because now banks are going to have to write that risk of future principal reductions into any current pricing. So if they're if they're writing a 30-year mortgage at five percent right now, they may say, oh well, there's a you know a one percent chance I'm going to have to write this down by 25 percent. So maybe instead of 5%, they put it out at 6%. I mean, the um, new HAMP regulations supposedly force principal write-downs under certain circumstances, right? That's, that's right, um, although that has not been uh, – uh, there's still very few principal write-downs actually happening. Um, and I don't know the specifics of, of when the principal write-downs um, are, uh, um, are, so are you're, you're mandatory. But from, from the consumer's point of view, you, you shouldn't ask for a principal write-down because you're not going to get it? Or, or, or – what are you telling consumers here? So what we're telling consumers is to um, make sure they have their facts of their specific situation right, um, written down. Call your lender, call your servicer, and tell them that you need to have your uh, monthly obligation, monthly payment reduced in order to make the payments. And what they do, whether it's a principal reduction, um, whether it's a, uh, um, uh, a temporary reduction in the payment or a temporary reduction in the rate, um, you kind of put that, that onus on them to make a decision. Now, one kind of exception to that um, is folks that, again, in that situation, if, you're, if your mortgage balance is 200000 your home is worth $150,000, uh, you have maybe got a mind to walk away from the house uh, and leave them the keys because if you continue to pay, you're basically throwing money into a, into a pit. Um, so in that situation, you want to call your lender up and tell them exactly what's going on and saying, look, I'm considering leaving the home. What can you do for me? Um, and force that, uh, that potential principal reduction on them. Yeah, very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Ethan Ewing, who's the president of Bills.com. We'll be back after this. the markets up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network
Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. When you were young, did you feel free to daydream? Were you full of questions such as why, how, and what if? Did you allow yourself to be carefree, to dance and sing? Did you create just for fun? Want to feel that way again? Reclaim your natural curiosity and creativity with Dr. Carol Stalkup on Stargazing Stories, sparking your creativity. Revitalize your life, work, and relationships. Be more playful, be bold, imagine, explore, and live more creatively every day. Tune in Wednesdays at 11 a.m. in the East, 8 a.m. in the West on 7th Wave Network. Are you ready to talk football with the greatest wide receiver player and coach in NFL history? Tune in to Wide Open with Andre Risen. Andre is ready to talk to you and give his thoughts on the sport. There'll be celebrity guests, coaches, players, artists, and more. He'll go beyond the game with a look from the coach's point of view and feature a high school player each week. Tune in to Wide Open with host Andre Risen. Featured Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Ethan Ewing, who's the president of Bills.com. Welcome back, Ethan. Thanks, Jordan. Nice to be with you. Another big part of your uh, website is the savings and budgeting uh, part. Let's talk about budgeting a little bit. What are some of the misconceptions people have about budgeting, and how can you get them on a better track on that front? Yeah, I mean, um, uh, certainly the misconceptions of the budgeting uh, means that um, you're not going to have any fun anymore, and that uh, it just means stopping spending um, but uh, to the contrary, I mean, really what budgeting means is uh, sitting down and having an honest conversation with yourself and jotting down, uh, um, one, the easiest part, which is your monthly income for your household, um, and then going through a little more pain, um, but uh, um, actually writing down where your expenses are. And, I, you know, in, I have to um, come clean here. Uh, when uh, we first started bills in 2006, um, I had uh, I didn't have a budget, and then after about six months of uh, sitting here telling everybody they needed a budget, uh, my wife and I sat down and did our budget, and it's uh, it's really been helpful. And it and what it allows you to do is um, it allows you to make spending decisions uh, within the context of that budget, um, and you know it does kind of it, it's gonna it's gonna try to force you to to uh, uh, stop the discretionary spending and the the willy nilly spending, but uh, you know as we see in the savings rate. Um, savings has become cool again, and uh, um, it's really something that a budget is just such an easy way to, to get motivated um, and to see. If that budget, if your monthly household budget reads red, well, uh, that's obviously a problem that's got to be addressed, um, preferably sooner than later, because at some point 
uh, you're going to have to you're going to have to deal with that. If it's so easy, why don't more people budget? Well, I think it's uh, I think it's one of those things where um, well, shoot, I can speak first person. Uh, the way I always approached it was, you know what? I know in the back of my head, I'm fine. You know, I, I I've got it. I pretty much know what I make. I pretty much know what I spend. It's good. You know, I kind of keep an eye on my on my bank account. Um, but what 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 you lose in doing that? And a lot of people can do that, but what you lose in doing that is you lose um, the opportunity to set goals. So if you're just kind of you're just kind of drifting, you're just saying, yeah, okay, I'm good this month. Okay, hey, I got a little extra money. Okay, great. Maybe I'll put it over here. Um, by setting a budget and by setting real savings goals, um, and let's say it's for a 529 plan for a kid, uh, let's say it's for a vacation. Um, let's say it's, uh, uh, you know, for an improvement to the house, whatever it is, uh, if you've got those goals, it keeps you motivated. And, it, and it, frankly, it makes it more fun. Um, and I think a lot of people uh, can get a rise out of not spending money, right, where you, where you kind of, you know, when you tighten, when you tighten it down a little bit, um, all of a sudden you start counting your dollars a bit more closely. Um, it can be fun to see that budget, you know, all of a sudden, hey, 500 bucks this month, 1000 bucks this month, right, and you're working towards a goal um, where you're coming out positively every month. And then on the savings side, uh, the savings rate went from basically negative to plus four percent, which is better than, than nothing, but still pretty low. What can people do uh, to start saving more? Yeah. So, um, so the one the one uh, tip we give a lot around here is um, what uh, just referred to as pay yourself. Um, so treat yourself, treat your savings account like a bill, uh, something you have to pay each and every month. For a lot of people, that forced behavior comes in the form of a, a 401k at work. Uh, that's a great vehicle. Um, certainly, if your company has an employer match, um, obviously that's something you need to take advantage of. But uh, make sure you're one of those line items on your uh, on your monthly budget. On one hand, you've got your income. On the other hand, you've got your expenses. You've got your groceries. You've got your housing expense. You've got uh, school expenses. Then you've got your savings expense, um, and that really forces your hand. So then, what comes out at the bottom of that of that line is either can be used for either additional savings or can just be you know money that you can. Um, spend uh, um, spend for fun. What I hear today, people complaining about, is okay. I save, but I'm literally earning zero on it. So it's not much of an incentive if it's just sitting there, actually earning nothing. What can people do to earn a decent return without taking too much risk? Yeah, it's painful. I mean, I, you know, I'm not. Uh, we don't. We don't. I don't. I don't pretend to be much of an investment advisor. Um, and certainly, we struggle with the same thing. Um, I, I think you know the message there is uh, one. It's a good habit to be in, and two, it's better than losing money. So if you're if you're saving money and you're earning zero, uh, it's better than losing money um, or, you know, coming out negative on your monthly budget. So save it. Things will get better. You know, whatever your investments are, if you're in the stock market, um, if you're in real estate, whatever it is, continue to invest. I mean, things, uh, you know, uh, things will, things certainly will get better um, at some point. And, you know, if you look at the, at the uh, history of the stock market, obviously um, you see annualized returns between 7 and 9%. Um, so things will get better. Zero percent will not uh, last forever, but you know, don't don't lose faith just because you're earning nothing on it today. It's a lot better to have those savings than to not have it and and uh, uh, and earn zero. So, what should be a target amount that people should say percentage of their income? If the national average is four percent, what would be uh, an ideal amount that people should realistically try to save? Yeah, I mean, ten uh, percent. I mean, take that with a grain of salt, you know, for your own situation. But ten um, percent is a good number, whether that comes in the form of a um, of your 401k contributions um, and a combination of, of other savings, but uh, um, that's a pretty good number. And you know, there's there's some some decent tools out there for calculating your, the retirement income. ING's got that, uh, you know, know your number 
um, uh, calculator there. Um, but, the, you know, understand, the key is to really is understand what, what you need um, and then just make sure you're planning ahead. Um, but certainly the 401K, if, you can, if your company matches at all, well, make sure you, um, you max out that match. Uh, but 10% is a, a, a real solid number. You have on your website what you call Bill's IQ, uh, which is a money quiz. What happens at that uh, money quiz? Yeah, so Bill's IQ is a great one. Um, what we're really trying to do is gauge people's financial literacy. Uh, we get uh, um, uh, a few thousand people coming through there each and every month taking a test. Uh, it's really broken up into, into six different categories, um, and we basically give you a grade on each of those categories. Um, I'm sorry, five categories. It's, we give you a grade on each of those categories, um, and we're trying to measure how well how, how aware you are of your, of your personal finance situation. Um, we see, for example, credit is one of the sections. And in the credit section, that's the highest national score, 88 points, out of, and this is out of 100. Um, so test takers are averaging 88. On life plan, uh, people average 82. So that's a, uh, um, that's a number that, frankly, we kind of people feel they're, they're, through the score they're telling us that they're a little less confident uh, about what they're putting away for their retirement, their kids' education, um, their life plan goals are just, uh, um, they feel much more uneasy. But the credit, you know, there's been a lot of consumer credit education here recently, um, and that people are feeling pretty confident about what goes into a credit score, um, how to kind of manage and maintain their credit. Um, and what's so the worst, what, what is the worst score on? Yeah, the, uh, so the worst is that is, is life plan at, at 82. That's, uh, um, it's not a, it's, uh, and the average score is about 85, 86%. So, yeah, I'd strongly encourage all the listeners to jump onto it's uh, at billsiq.com or bills.com slash IQ, or if you just go to the bills.com homepage, uh, you'll be able to find the, uh, um, the IQ right on the, uh, right on the homepage. Take it. It takes two or three minutes, um, and uh, Jordan, I expect you'll uh, send me your score when you actually take it this afternoon. <laughs> all right, well, in the minute or so we have left, why don't you just kind of sum up uh, what difference it can make to go to bills.com and uh, knowing more about your personal finances? Sure. Well, we're going to give you, um, you know, c- come to the site. We're going to give you a customized response on your situation. So um, there's, uh, unlike other sites out there where you just read other people's uh, articles and uh, what they think about things, come to us, use Ask Bill, submit a question. We'll get you a personalized response within 48 hours. Um, these are great questions and answers. You won't find this service anywhere else. Uh, we don't charge for it. It's a great service. We'd love to have you come to the site. Terrific. Okay, well, thanks very much, Ethan. Uh, my guest this hour has been Ethan Ewing, uh, who is president of Bills.com, uh, a site that helps you answer all kinds of personal finance questions. So thanks very much for being on the show, Ethan. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks a lot for having me. And thank you, listeners. We'll be back again with another show, another version of the Money Answer Show next week. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you.